1: Yo, check this out from Canty and Carlin.
2: Brandon Cooks onto his fourth team since he was drafted in 2014. Nobody has a better career arc in terms of actually producing every place he's been. He's put up a thousand yards in six separate seasons. Now he will be tasked with doing that for the Dallas Cowboys. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Nick Friedle with you on this Monday afternoon as always presented by Progressive Insurance. And when I hear this news on Sunday afternoon that Brandon Cooks finally is going to be traded from the Houston Texans to the Dallas Cowboys and I say finally because as you heard there in the rejoin from Jeremy Fowler, ESPN NFL analyst, that this is something that was in the works previously, but just did not get done when he was with the Houston Texans multiple times. I mean, there was a game that he ended up missing last year, sitting out for personal reasons because a trade request and a trade was not done right at the time of the NFL's trade deadline in November. And for whatever reason... Brandon Cooks didn't play the following game. I was surprised to see him in a Houston Texans uniform to end the 2022 season. But he has a new home now with CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, T.Y. Hilton. This is speed that you bring to a receiving core that was all over the place last year. There were moments that you thought, hey, things are finally clicking for Dak Prescott in this offense. CeeDee Lamb is, you know, he's a number one receiver in his own right, and he could take on more of a load. But ever since they lost Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns, Rounds in, I believe, was last year's free agency period, they haven't been the same. So maybe this gets them a step closer to what they used to look like, and then hopefully that can help them actually perform in the postseason.
3: Oh, Courtney, <laughs> do we think that the Cowboys can finally clear that hurdle? That would that would really surprise me, just because of uh, all of the uh, the the extra angst that they carry around now when they are in those big games. Uh, But maybe these type of moves can get them feeling more comfortable about making that push in the postseason and making those extra plays. My question is, you mentioned the numbers that Cooks has put up in a variety of different cities now. Why is a guy who produces at that level so expendable to all these other former teams he's now been on?
2: That's a million-dollar question because everywhere he's been, he's produced. I mean, he was drafted by the New Orleans New Orleans Saints in 2014. He had three or two thousand-yard seasons at that point, 2015, 16. He goes to New England on his, you know, prove-it year in 2017, thousand yards there. Goes to the Rams in 2018, has, you know, a thousand yard season that year. that They go to the Super Bowl and then, you know, really takes a dip in production the following year. And then when he's with Houston, you think about those early years. I mean, 2020, the production he had to make up for it, despite not having DeAndre Hopkins anymore, he was the guy for Deshaun Watson in that season, then the year Deshaun Watson did not play in 2021, he was still producing. So yeah, you think to yourself, Nick, good question. Like this guy is obviously very good with the football and very good at catching the football and doing, you you know, making production with the football. Why is he so expendable at this point? And why has he been on so many different teams now onto, you know, his fourth team that he's been traded to? So we look at this in totality. And I think it's the value of what you're getting for a 29-year-old receiver who, you know, frankly, hasn't had that many health issues. I mean, he was limited to 13 games this past season, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, he still put up, you know, 700 yards on 56 catches and three touchdowns. But when fully healthy, that's where where you have, like, the best version of Brandon Cooks and the one that can make the biggest impact. Now, I look at this and I say, this is a nice piece for the Dallas Cowboys. Do not get me wrong. They need help at the wide receiver position. We've known that now for a year. They finally are addressing it. This doesn't take them over the top for me at all. I look at this and I say, it's a nice move. It's a smart move because then now you can kind of preclude yourself from getting in on the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes. And they were one of those teams. If you remember last November when we reached like the one – you know, the, 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 the mark in time where it's like, all right, his ACL is probably healed by now. He can return at least to doing football activities. Mm-hmm. They were one of the teams that were in on trying to maybe sign him, you know, right around the time the trade deadline had passed. He was a free agent, so he could have signed anywhere. And reportedly... Their medical evaluation of him was he's not ready for, to, to be doing football activities just yet. So you wait all this time, and now they don't waste any time during free agency. It wasn't a great market for free, for wide receivers in free agency, so you go this route via a trade. That's the only way you're up, able to upgrade your roster. That's truly like when you look at the free agent group that's out there, the ones who have signed, whether it was, you know, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Alan Lazard signing with the Jets, like not great names, good names, not great names. That's a lot you're dealing with. I think that this was a better move for the Dallas Cowboys, but it's not one that's going to take them over the top and give them the best receiving core in the NFC East. I mean, heck, you can probably even look at what the Giants have done and say those moves at the wide receiver spot are, you know, on par with what the that with what the Dallas Cowboys have done to surround Dak Prescott with a more formidable group of pass catchers.
3: Well, and that's the next layer of this to me, Courtney, of the Cowboys conversation, because you can bring in cooks, you can bring in whoever you want. Is Dak Prescott at a point in his career where we believe that he'll be able to elevate all of those around him? Because as I watch Dak Prescott, I see a guy who appears to be what he is If you put Alan Lazard on the Jets and they actually do land Aaron Rodgers at this point like Rodgers hopes, we know that Aaron Rodgers has a track record of making receivers around him better time after time after time. Dak Prescott hasn't shown to be that. So while I agree with you, it's a solid acquisition. You get a guy who has produced everywhere he's been. When you plug him in with a quarterback— that you're not sure can be that difference maker in the biggest of games to begin with, I don't care who you brought in, I just don't buy that the Cowboys are any better than the, the team that we see uh, get bounced a couple months ago.
2: I mean, of course, it all comes down to quarterback play, and Dak Prescott now, the spotlight only shines brighter on him and what he's able to do this season after the exit last year against the San Francisco 49ers. We know what's at stake for this Cowboys team, and we know that they can't take any chances, which is why you have to be aggressive in trying to upgrade the receiving core and you know I I think that in 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 all of this you look at like what this latest move does you know in a kind of savvy offseason for Dallas so like this is a player that they had their eye on dating back to the trade deadline last year it doesn't happen but that doesn't mean that it's null and void and it's not going to happen so they gave up two day three draft picks over the next two seasons. So it's not all this year. It's spread it out. So it's not like you're losing that much draft capital. And they don't have to, you know, spend that much. I mean, they're paying. They've got Houston. They worked out a deal in the contract, reportedly, that they've got him on the books, Houston on the books, for $6 million of his contract this next season. So it's an inexpensive addition, and it's one that, frankly, gives you Probably more bang for your buck right now than signing Odell Beckham outright, as we know he is still on the street as a free agent. But it's not something that's going to move the needle, I think, all that much offensively. Again, the biggest hurdle this team's going to have to jump over this season to prove that they are a team that is continuously taking the next step. We know that Mike McCarthy is going to be calling plays for Dallas after Kellen Moore departed to take the OC job with the Los Angeles Chargers. We also know where Dak is in his career and what he has to prove, what's on his shoulders, at least they're trying to surround him with the right weapons that can help him. Won't say take his game to the next level, because I think we know what Dak Prescott is at this point, but getting the team where it wants to go ultimately in the postseason and uh, not you know, having these exits where you le- where you're left talking about strange plays that happen at the end of games and clock management, all things of that realm.
3: Courtney, what you just outlined is why I would be a, a concerned if I were a Cowboys fan, not just about what may happen throughout this season and if they can get over that big hurdle that you mentioned. It feels like it's a season that's coming together where there could be a hell of a lot of change if they don't get to where they want to go right now? McCarthy could be gone. What do you do with Dak if he once again fails to lead the team through on some major postseason run? The Cowboys have the making of a group that just doesn't appear to be good enough. And when you start to see that happen year after year after year, we know what happens next. The coach goes – And in many cases, if you can find the right replacement, the quarterback goes with them.
2: I mean, the interceptions were a problem. We all know that. And that was their Achilles heel last year where Dak Prescott led the NFL in a category that historically he stayed far away from the top end. And that, if you can't get that part fixed, no matter who you bring in, as a speedy threat to your receiving core to open up things for everyone else, a Michael Gallup, a T.Y. Hilton, certainly for C.D. Lamb, it's all going to not matter at that point. I mean, obviously that's on the quarterback, and that's something that Dak's going to have to decide for himself how he's going to handle that so those issues don't end up becoming the need for an ultimatum in 2022. Twenty-three. Kenny Carlin on ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive Commercial Insurance flexes to fit your business's needs, from quick repairs to adjustable coverages and even payment options. Progressive Commercial makes it easy to get what you need. Quote today in as little as six months at progressivecommercial.com. So a receiver that the Dallas Cowboys likely right now are not going to get in on is Odell Beckham Jr. We know that he hosted a workout for scouts and coaches in Arizona right before the start of free agency. And we know that he remains unsigned as of right now, March 20th. So the thought that remains out there is, is it too expensive for teams to sign? Like, is the asking price too high for Odell Beckham Jr.? Would he do a one-year deal? It was funny because he put a tweet out there the other day that was saying that he was kind of like debunking the notion that he you know wanted twenty million dollars a year. he said quote, you know all I'm saying is for is not enough. And I don't know where the $4 million (laughs) offer came from. There's a big gap there between $20 million and $4 million, Nick Ferdell. I understand that. Four definitely seems really low, but if that's not, if it had an incentive package in there for him, like if he played really well, and if he played a lot, you know, he probably could make a lot more than that. But the big question here becomes, is Odell Beckham Jr. at the point of his career right now, where he's willing to take a prove-it deal for 2023 to set himself up for 2024.
3: I don't know if his ego is. Based on on those tweets, Courtney, what it reminds me of is in the NBA, we reach the buyout market season. We've been there the last couple weeks. And fan bases go nuts thinking, oh, my gosh, I've been based in New York for a year. Oh, Blake Griffin? Lamarcus Aldridge? Oh at Miami, they land Kevin Love and you think, oh, Kevin Love. Well, I got news for well, you. what there, year
2: but... is this? Nick?
3: Exactly. It, this Kevin Love right now is not the Kevin Love who was a, a twenty and ten machine in Minnesota and and really, really good still in the beginning of his Cleveland tenure. The same thing I feel like is happening here with Odell Beckham Jr. Could he still provide? Some solid moments for whichever team picks him up? Sure. But we don't know what kind of player he is. We don't know if that knee is ready to roll at the same level that uh, we're used to seeing him play at uh, over his career. I, there are too many questions. And if I'm one of these NFL teams, I'm I'm doing exactly what you said. I'm saying, Odell, hey, we got a spot for you. But we don't have the type of money that you are expecting in this moment, because you have to show us that you can do it again. And until he did, Courtney, there is no way that I would feel comfortable putting that type of financial investment into a player who hasn't been out there in a while now. He's
2: 30 years old, serious injury concerns, but a track record of production that can't be matched to at least anyone who's available right now. You'd have to give up quite a lot to get a receiver via trade that could match what Odell Beckham Jr. has done. And those. that's why, I mean, the, the receiver market for in free agency was as lackluster as it was this year. And you're not seeing these big deals that typically we had seen in years past via trade. So, where he's at right now in his career and, like, the reports that were out there that that he was looking for $20 million per year, like, that's the one – those are the ones that he took to Twitter to deny while insinuating that a team had offered him $4 million. Is $4 million the starting point? Is it, uh, you know, the topic of conversation where you can have a jump off from there and say, well, $4 million becomes $8 million, becomes a $10 million contract for one year with seven and a half guaranteed? Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider, was on Greeny today talking about Odell Beckham Jr.'s contract expectations, those that might be a little too high as it currently stands.
0: Obviously, he's been tweeting about his contract negotiations. Very rarely do you get a guy tweeting about contract negotiations when they're going great. Right now, there's a difference between his expectations and what teams are willing to offer, but it's only March, right? There's no games for six months. So I think he'll get somewhere. It's just a matter of finding the right deal for a guy that missed all of last season and is coming off two ACLs. You know, it's not as simple as, oh, it's Odell Beckham. Let's get him in the building, even though he might think that.
2: So where would the ideal landing spot be for someone like like? Odell Beckham Jr. Of course, the Ravens are a team, you know, with Lamar Jackson hanging in the balance right now. We know that he got the franchise tag, the non-exclusive tag placed on him, and no team has matched his offer sheet just yet. But their scouts were at his workout back, you know, a couple weeks ago. And of course, the Minnesota Vikings, they just lost Adam Thielen. Uh, they, They released him, and then Adam Thielen signed with Carolina in free agency. That's a team that needs receiver depth. The Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, two other teams. Teams that could potentially fit in the mix for an Odell Beckham Jr. It's early, though. I'm with Graz. I keep doubling down on the fact that this is March, and he's a free agent. He's somebody who has not played football in a season, and teams are going to be trying to get you on a discount no matter what. I mean, that gap year, the injury, all the things that have, you know, that kind of weigh that you have to weigh in terms of the production and like the return on investment you can get a great receiver still at 30 years old it's just how much how how much are you willing to pay for that because of the uncertainties that remain out there for Odell Beckham in spite of how healthy he believes he is right now
3: and Courtney it goes to Graz's point that we heard in the clip there if things were going great for him he isn't tweeting about four million that's not something that, that enters into his mindset because he knows, hey, there's a lot of money, there's a lot of different teams that are intrigued in my services. Clearly at the moment that's not the case. But as we go through this conversation, on a much, much broader note, no matter what happens here with Odell Beckham Jr., this is another reminder why the NFL is the behemoth that it is because we are in the middle of March And there is a huge appetite, not just on all our shows on the network, but the conversations we've been having throughout our show right now about a guy who hasn't played in a year plus, who's coming off a knee injury, whose season, no matter where he would sign, doesn't start for another six months. Lamar Jackson has been such a focal point, and there's so much intrigue about where he may land. Or does he re-up in Baltimore and stay with the Ravens, who have been in his corner up to this point Uh, for years and years, but this is why, again, I'm coming at this from an NBA perspective, why I'm concerned about basketball, because there is so much more interest right now in Odell Beckham and his future than there is in the end of an NBA regular season where a variety of stars have gotten hurt and the product hasn't been nearly as good as it could be.
2: I mean, it's a 365 business. We know this with the NFL. I think the NBA can contend with some of that, but not to the strength where we're nitpicking free agents who are hosting their own workouts to prove to teams that they're healthy enough to play and prove to teams that they clearly are worth more than $4 million a year. But that's that's the beast. I mean, that's what the NFL is, and I think that's why free agency is so intriguing, because you have such a lackluster group, this position, the receiver Mm -hmm. position, and it is so important for teams to be able to have a receiver, a playmaking game-changing receiver that can elevate your team. So like when we bring this to like the Odell Beckham Jr. conversation and you think about perfect landing spots, what was the issue with the Buffalo Bills this year? Stephon Diggs showed up in the playoffs. No one else did. Right. No one else did. So that's the reason that that's a team that's being rumored as one that might be interested in his services. It's really the same thing with the Baltimore Ravens because – outside of Rashad Bateman, you're looking around if you're Lamar Jackson saying, who am I throwing the ball to if I'm here next year? So, of course, like you're doing your due diligence. You're going to this workout. You're making sure that he can play football for you at the level in which you need him to play a fully healthy 17 games. But even then, there's a price tag that comes with all of it. And we're going to continue to debate the price tag throughout the next couple months until we end up seeing him sign somewhere, whether it is any of those teams that we had mentioned or if a mystery team comes in. But the longer you wait, I mean, any team can sign him, can sign him right now. They could have already given him a contract, and he could have already been onto an off-season workout program gearing up for that with a team. There's a reason for that, and I think it's the price. And I think that the longer Odell Beckham Jr. has to wait on this, the the lower that price will probably end up being. And we'll see if he truly does want to take a one-year prove-it deal to set himself up for his next contract in 2024. Coming up next, what are the Dolphins' expectations for Tua after officially picking up his fifth-year option? This
3: is the Canty and Carlin Podcast.
4: Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle Not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Robert Half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.
1: Are you tired of uncomfortable stuffy clothing when you're on the move? Task Performance is here to revolutionize your active lifestyle. Crafted with their innovative organic cotton and bamboo fabric blend. Task Performances Carrollton Collection is Task's all-time most popular active wear. Task Carrollton Collection is breathable, moisture wicking, and provides USPF 50 plus sun protection, keeping you fresh, cool, and comfortable. All day long. Task has harnessed the natural performance qualities of bamboo to deliver amazingly soft and durable apparel produced in an ethical and sustainable manner. Whether you're hitting the gym or on the trail, the golf course, traveling, the office, or just around town... Task Carrollton Collection will help you feel better, move better, and live better. Available in dozens of colors. See what better looks like at TASKPerformance.com. Use code SPORTS to get 20% off. That's code SPORTS at TASCPerformance.com. TASK, creating the most comfortable performance apparel on the planet.
2: The Miami Dolphins have made a commitment to Tua Tugavailoa, picking up his fifth-year option, which comes with a $23.17 million fully guaranteed salary two years from now. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN App Sirius XM Channel 80. Courtney Cronin, Nick Friedel with you on this Monday afternoon. Pleased to welcome in Marcel Louis-Jacques, ESPN Dolphins reporter for NFL Nation. And this was the foregone conclusion for some time now that they were going to exercise to was option, Marcel, but... Being as close as you are to the franchise, to Chris Greer, to people who have watched Tua go through the concussion issues that he did during the 2022 season, does it surprise you that there isn't any sort of pause that the concussions could potentially become a prolonged issue? Because it seems like internally they're saying they don't think it's going to be any problem. Tua can be their guy going forward because of that.
0: Oh, yeah. They're saying it internally, and they've said it publicly as well. We asked Chris Greer at the end of the season uh, if they believed they had any long-term effects or if he was any more susceptible to sustaining a concussion, given his history. And Greer said, no, based on the conversations they've had with doctors, with specialists, they don't see him as any higher of a risk. And he even doubled down on that at the Combine saying that, yes, they're aware of his injury history, but it's not something that would, quote, make us afraid to do something long-term. So this was kind of a foregone conclusion based on what both Greer and Mike McDaniel have been saying uh, over the past several months. You know, and, and all the rumors, you know, Dolphins are usually just right in the center of, you know, quarterback acquisition rumors, right? Whether it's Brady, Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, but it felt like, Over the past, maybe five, six months or so, those rumors have just been kind of a reach instead of like rooted in fact, as they were in the past. Uh, They've been committed to Tuatonga Tunga for quite some time. Now, that is going to continue to the point where I think if he, if his play does not deteriorate and definitely if he stays healthy, I guess most prevalently, if he stays healthy, that we should see a long-term extension for the quarterback at the end of the 2023 season.
3: Marcel, did the Dolphins take the Daniel Jones situation that played out in New York into consideration at all when picking up this two option?
0: Yeah, I think you have to pay attention. Especially, like, if, if you've got a, a young quarterback or a, a young player at any position, you have to pay attention to how the market is playing out, what works and what doesn't work for for other teams. But in terms of the forty year, forty a year, um, I, I think Tua has when he's, of course, healthy. I think he's outplayed what Daniel Jones showed on the field, so I think he's probably in line to earn even more than that forty million a year tag. If again he stays healthy, that has been the biggest question with Tua, and I don't think the Dolphins have any fear, any hesitation about paying him once he proves he can last that full seventeen. Game season when he's healthy, he's shown high level of play. He's led the NFL in pass rating. He improved dramatically in Mike McDaniel's system. So I, I, I don't think that that number is scaring them off. I think they, you know, this this is as much of a vote of confidence as it is a business move here. This is them telling to a, you are our guy. Not they're not just telling. This is them showing to a that you are our guy. He's that kind of person where. He's not necessarily going to trust and believe you just because you say, trust me. He needs to see the love, and this is exactly what the Dolphins are doing.
2: Marcel Louis-Jacques is our guest here on Kenny and Carl, and he covers the Miami Dolphins for ESPN's NFL Nation. And if the productivity that we saw from Tua in his third season, 3,500 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 65% completion percentage, if that productivity continues with fewer injuries in the future you're right he's in line for a new deal and if that happens this season then by this time next year we're probably talking about a big extension for Tua where would a long-term deal if all of that is 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 true by this time next year where would he fit into the current market of quarterbacks if he does do what he needs to do in this quote-unquote prove it year for himself
0: well I think what I think what Daniel Jones proved to us this past offseason, this current offseason, is that there's just there's a certain number that you're going to hit as a quarterback, and I really am starting to think that that floor for a starting franchise caliber quarterback is forty million a year. I think Tua deserves that based on what the market is. I don't think he's going to get a Mahomes deal or a Josh Allen. I don't expect him to be a top three in the league, but I think top five, you know, top five in terms of a- annual value. That's probably a little more in the range, given the current market and just given the, the fact that every big name free agent, everybody who is in line for a new payday wants to set the market. Like every, It's kind of inevitable at this point. So uh, he's not going to get 50 a year. He's not going to get 230 million guaranteed, but I would expect still some top five money, maybe uh, maybe a, kind of reminiscent of Kyler's contract or, I mean, we'll get to see what Lamar Jackson's going to get. But again, they have no problem ponying up. The issue is the Dolphins have a lot of mouths to feed over the next few years. Kyrie Hill is coming in at 30 a year. Jalen Ramsey, if his play uh, goes back to you know what we saw during prime Jalen Ramsey years, he's not going to want to play for Chiefs. Teron Armstead, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips is going to need a new contract in a couple years. And there's just a lot of people that are going to need to be fed here, so they believe their Super Bowl window is open and they need to hit it because this you know, spend money like there's no tomorrow. Strategy, tomorrow eventually comes. I think the Los Angeles Rams are evidence of that.
2: Yeah, the bill always comes due. Every NFL team has to find that out one way or the other. And at least in the short term, the Miami Dolphins have that commitment for Tua, and it only costs them $23.17 million on that fifth-year option. Marcel, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate the time. Yeah, of course. That's Marcel Louis-Jacques, ESPN Dolphins reporter, talking a little to a tug of Iloa and his official fifth-year option getting picked up today by the Miami Dolphins. Straight ahead, Nick went to a Nuggets game, found out that they're frauds. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.
4: This is the Canty and Carlin
3: Podcast.
1: Now, let's talk about the play of the week, the pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. When you're on a business trip, you know what goes completely off the rails? Your workout routine, especially when you book a hotel that doesn't have a gym. So what ends up happening is you do a few push-ups and sit-ups in your room, run around the block, or just skip it entirely. Lame. If you just stay at La Quinta by Wyndham, you'll discover there's a fully equipped fitness center at every location. Now you can wake up and power your buys and tries the right way or de-stress with some cardio. The choice is yours. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
2: The Denver Nuggets are the top seed in the Western Conference, yet Nick Ferdell, my co-host here, filling in on Candy and Carl, I'm Courtney Crown, and you're listening to ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Not a firm believer, at 48-24, and 24, they played the Nets, and previously they played the Knicks. Did you go to both of those games, or just the Nets one?
3: Just the Nets one, Courtney.
2: All right, big takeaway is that they're not real contenders in the West. Is that fair to say? I I'm
3: not. I, I wish that we could just have the Eastern Conference Finals be the finals this year. <laughs> I'm not buying anybody in the West, although the caveat, of course, is what happens when Kevin Durant actually is healthy enough for Phoenix and stays on the floor and can find a rhythm with that team. As we stand here right now, though, I just feel like – Boston and Milwaukee and Philly's making a push behind Embiid are just that much better than anybody else coming out of the West. But I reserve the right, as Tibbs has taught me <laughs> for many years, to change my mind. And I still want to see Kevin with that Suns team and them trying to find a chemistry going into the postseason. But I bring this up because having watched the Nuggets yesterday at Barclays, And seeing a team that certainly is in a little bit of a almost-the-end-of-the-regular-season malaise, and in fairness to them, there are a lot of teams, when you watch them right now, that are just ready for this thing to get going and get in the postseason. What my fear with Denver is, is you know exactly what Jokic is going to give you. Yesterday, Michael Porter had a hell of a, a game when you looked at his numbers. Jamal Murray had a really nice first quarter, cooled off after that but i'm just not sure where everything else is going to come from after jokic night tonight and how much of of that will cause them issues as they go deeper into the western conference playoffs so i know where they stand i know they've had a hell of a year if it's me i'm not putting my money that they're going to get all the way through just because i'm still not buying the supporting cast that is around Nikola Jokic.
2: Jokic appears to be heading for his third straight MVP award. I get bored with it. I, I'm sorry. Like I, I'm one of these people who like NBA fans hate because I see the Denver Nuggets, I watch the brand of basketball, and I'm not impressed because you look at where they are in the Western Conference right now. The discrepancy between current one seeds in the East and where the Nuggets are followed by the Sacramento Kings, a team that I – was wrong. I'll say this again. It was wrong to say I prematurely called them fraudulent.
3: Light at, the beam, Courtney Cronin. At the
2: de- at the at the NBA All Star break, I said this team's going to fall off from where they are. They had two All Stars in at that point. What the heck do I know? They have won like eleven of their last you know thirteen or fourteen games. So I'm an idiot. I can accept that. No, I, can move you're on. No, I you're not. But I don't believe it. it I, I'm with you that the Western Conference right now, when you're taking a look at like the top couple teams, whether it's Memphis right now doesn't have John Morant, we'll see how he works back into the mix. They think they're 5-3 and three in his absence during this eight-game suspension, so they've been okay, but I don't trust the Nuggets. I don't trust the Sacramento Kings still. And I don't trust that this Memphis team is all of a sudden just going to put it all back together and act like nothing happened and continue to roll on, knowing what we know with the Brandon Clark injury and him out for the season, Dylan Brooks and all that comes with with playing with him on your team. Like, convince me that anybody, any of those, any of the four top four seeds, we can go ahead. And 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 throw who are the, who's the four seed right now in the Western Conference? It we could,
3: could th- I mean, it could, it was the Clippers. I feel like for a hot second, but that's the issue, Courtney. Is that in the East, you know for sure, it's and and has been Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia. In the West, you're kind of like
4: yeah.
2: mm. it could be the Suns. It could be the Suns or the Clippers. So if you throw that those four teams that I just gave you into the mix. 10 out of 10 times, you're taking either Milwaukee or Boston over any of those matchups. And that's weird to say about the Western Conference this year considering where we started, right, with all this parity and it's so great and the margin for errors is razor thin. Well... That's because you're going. You're, you're all beating up on each other in the top, you know, top eight spots in that conference, and you have Goliath and Goliath and like a baby Goliath in Philadelphia as your top three teams in the Eastern Conference. Am I reading that right?
3: You're reading that exactly right, and that's part of the issue, I think, for any of these Western Conference teams because another team that we haven't mentioned, and it's in large part because they just cannot win on the road, is the Warriors, the defending champs. They got Steph back now, but. Courtney, it doesn't matter the sport. You can see it when a team has real chemistry, when a team has that look of a group that can go into the playoffs and really make some noise. The Warriors don't have it this year. They haven't had it. They can't win on the road. They can't play with consistency. Steph's been hurt for a lot of the, the run. It just doesn't feel like they're going to be able to find their way. And when you put that all together, that West isn't nearly as competitive as it has been over the years.
2: It looks competitive because of the games that stand in between each team and and where the teams are seated one through eight, but... It feels fraudulent in its own right. So I get that. I'm with you on that same front as well. The Nuggets, are they frauds? I don't know. But maybe they're going to win the Western Conference at this rate because if they don't, somebody else is going to have to. Straight ahead, we update the madness. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio.
1: Canty and Carlin,
3: weekdays at 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen and watch on the ESPN app.